Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. Like you were there 13 seconds ago. Okay, well, it kicked me out for a second. I'm back. Why Why would it do such a thing? You're a nice guy. Parallel universes. Well, I try not to be because I don't want to be one of those people that goes around pretending to be a nice guy. I'd much rather. Well, it's, it's okay. It's okay to be a nice guy when someone else calls you that and it's genuine. When you call yourself a nice guy, then, you know, you're going to say negative things the second you are uh, rejected by women that you never had a reasonable suspicion you would have been able to hook up with anyway. Well, unless you're running for president. Yeah. Happy April 4th, 4-4-23. Happy Indictment Day. Or excuse happy me. Happy indictment day. Indication first, day. In, yeah. Happy first indi indicated day. <laughs> well, I'm sure uh, there's somebody, I'm sure there's some numerologists out there that are making a big deal about today for all that. So Well, actually I have one as a guest speaker and, and now uh they go by a symbol and I don't know what the symbol is. So I'm going to be like, okay, this person is a Prince ripoff and they're a numerologist. Oh, uh, I think I made a mistake. They just wrote to me that they've taken a vow of silence. Who vetted this person? I, I, you have to I, get a more thorough, a more thorough staff. I, I I do apologize. I'm wasting your time and all of our listener time. Uh, well, they're willing to write everything down, and I can speak on their behalf, but I'm not going to. Well, that's just a, that's just the kindness and exemplary nature of your uh, empathy and understanding for other people's various communication styles. Yes, indeed. I do. I'm a big believer in selective mutism, though. Well, that's how uh, Mother Teresa got her start. Was it Mother Teresa? Who was it? It wasn't Mother Teresa. It was uh, someone else whose name's escaped me. Whose name escapes me? They probably go uh, by a symbol. Well, when you see them, you think diamonds and pearls. Yes, you do, in elevators. When do you think Steven Tyler's voice changed? Because, uh, you know, they, they had Dream On, and I, that, that is a distinctly different thing than all of their 80s, you know, they, they, they just occupied an odd space. Like, I don't know anybody else who specifically was where they were. Like, they, you know, kind of, I mean, Tom Petty had his own space. But, but Aerosmith, and I was never a huge fan, but they just always seemed to be so distinct. And just the impressiveness, I guess, with their specificity, where like other rock bands, you know, 
maybe were a little not different enough. Like Poison and Motley Crue were always very similar, and they were just kind of a harder... Well, you're talking about actual musicians, and then, you know, with Aerosmith, and then you have producer-generated garbage that is Motley Crue and Poison for the most part. It's unfortunate about Poison because they they proved to be really good musicians, but they, well, you know, yeah, gosh, you you really picked a subject today, man. Uh, for one thing, the original Aerosmith, uh, their their first albums before the split, all of them are great. I'm a huge fan of original Aerosmith. They're just genius. The things they do in their guitar work, they bounce off each other. Everybody thinks it's just Joe Perry, but it isn't. And to the point that I'm just drawing a blank on the other guy's name. But they... Uh, they Brad Whitford? Yeah, there you go. They, they Not uh, Bradley Whitford from the West Wing, but the other Brad. Right, right. Not the guy who's looking for help to bring down Billy Madison. But uh, though he may also want to bring down Billy Madison, I'm not putting limits on him. There. Well, who among work. us? Who among us at one time or another? Well, okay, Jimmy Crespo is that the guy's name? The other guy? No. Okay. All right. All right. But anyway, guitar work in original Aerosmith was intricate and, and simple. So you know the leaves are all blistering and all that good stuff not i don't know if blistering is uh the word but certainly uh, uh appropriate for the the song they all fit in the pocket but they play around the pocket as well and that was the beauty of of Aerosmith. everything was just the timing was was not quite four four and you know it's not progressive and it's not like yes or rush but it was just solid jam. And uh, Tyler's falsetto, you're talking about his voice changing, well, he's at least 104 now. And uh, it wasn't too long ago, he was still hitting that damn note, man. And it wasn't, it wasn't right. And I'm sure he had people, you know, to the, in the off stage and, or just out of the spotlight helping him which I have no problem with. I'm there for an experience, and I want the experience to be reproduced. And being someone who is 103, I can appreciate uh, certain aspects not quite being what they used to be. But, uh, man, Aerosmith transitioning into the pop band that they became uh, broke my heart, dude. It just it made me sad. They, they got up with the... Uh, if you remember that song... Uh, alone by heart absolutely god that's that, that's that's a revolution i feel like that's a revolution in storytelling but uh, well, you know what the guy is a storyteller but he's also using a formula like ann wilson won't sing that song anymore from what i read the other day hey we got some pink floyd going on as well for all of you animals fans out there but uh the the you know she she knows it's garbage that it's just pandering just like motley crew and poison so when when i was crying when i met you and all that kind of crap 
Oh my God. We probably differ in opinion of some of this, but, uh, man, it just makes me sad. It's the same guy who, who wrote, we built this city from a band, from a band that was part of, of hate Ashbury in the heyday to, uh, to, to shame us all. And I'm pretty sure that guy is the devil. Are you talking about Martin Page? Probably. Okay, because Bernie Taupin was one of the songwriters well, when we built this city. Well, that uh, that's unfortunate because we know Bernie. There are two Bernies in life. Bernie Sanders. Well, yeah, and Bernie Taupin, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Have you seen... And if you have, how many times have you seen Aerosmith in concert? Uh, four times. Not that many. It doesn't reflect how big of a... Like, literally, earlier today, I was playing every song in, from Toys in the Attic in my head in order. Which is, I don't know, maybe a bit psychotic, but, uh, you know... I will say that uh, one of my favorite songs that is lighthearted is She Just Loves My Big Ten Inch. Record of my favorite blues. Yeah, fantastic album. There is just few albums are perfect. And uh, Aerosmith has one of the perfect albums in Toys in the Attic. And the other original releases are all just right there with it, man. It is, uh, it does, but to say that Aerosmith didn't have a pocket, uh, you know, I, I would put them right there with Bad Company and, uh, you know, even Boston to an extent, that classic rock, which very much shaped Guns N' Roses, uh, you 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 probably just missed that era of music in your birthing choices, but uh, I, I I was still young. The first album I ever owned was Aerosmith album, and uh, as a wee kid, I was listening to Dream On. I just was blown away by it. Dream on. There's no W in O N. Well, that's what? the magic of of artistic expression. Expression to take it on as the listener, and it becomes your own. What? Yes. So, so when what album was Dream on? Is it called on. Dream on? It's been a while since I've listened to music in general. Okay, because I'm looking, and so Sweet Emotion was on... Toys in the Attic. Toys in the Attic, but I feel like his voice is even distinctly different then from Dream On, and it feels like it couldn't have been that long, that big of a difference in just how much his voice would have matured or adjusted. Yes, Aerosmith, Aerosmith, featuring Dream On. At least the album I had said featuring Dream On on the cover. Huh. But man, I mean, 
Aerosmith Rocks is an amazing, amazing album. Draw the Line is an amazing album. It's just nuts how good that band was. Could you imagine? And I guess it is. I mean, we always we we bust a lot of balls. Okay, yeah, Dream On was on. Um, yeah, the, the the Aerosmith album. But I mean, just just. And maybe it's just that period of time before everything became hyper commercial commercialized, and maybe and I guess you could speak to this as somebody who kind of was there at the ground level when MTV came out. Oh, very could much. Could you so, see? Because yeah. I've seen David Coverdale talk about this. Um because I love to watch interviews from the 60s, 70s, and 80s, but that Coverdale was very, I think, spot on in his description that once MTV started, people, the experiential process of music ceased to be kind of the same thing with, uh, you know, the books it provided, that people would create the create the visual narrative and storytelling in their head from the, lyrics and the and the songs and then it transitioned into instead of remembering like where you were and who you were with suddenly you were remembering a commodity of, of right the video i i tell you i i've i know that mtv changed the world musically i put them right there with the beatles on their effect on music not as in a positive or negative light uh that can be argued um but impact, you know, if it, if it was a uh, tornado, they would be F5s. And, uh, and writing did become a thing of what's our video going to be like. I, I think you, you added in a centralization that turned the, the compass needle away from Ben's almost not giving a crap because they didn't know they needed to pander. Right? They they pandered to the audience they saw in front of them or to the influences that they had that they saw with their own eyes at the at the club or at in the stadium watching another band play or listening to old records and then all of a sudden uh you know you you have all these influences interchanging and in, in MTV was bringing in urban music across the world uh, in into areas that just simply the record stores didn't carry the that different music uh, or at least kids didn't gravitate to that area of the record store it wasn't compelling to them so uh, I don't know if you designed today to be around you know, my introduction to music, but you are doing a fine job of it. Next, you're going to bring up Tom Jones, aren't you? Well, it's not unusual <laughs> that I would do that. Nice, nice. Do you think, well, I'd always wonder too, like with Tom Jones, would you, would you say he was the closest thing to Elvis? that that the british had in a specific single entity uh yeah i would very much so and and not just uh england but the world i mean 
he didn't he didn't really discover his power i think until much later when he was doing kiss and uh covering more contemporary for the time kind of material um with elvis he just got the best of everything you know he was offered endless stuff i'm sure but uh engelbert humperdinck really was a, a a challenging factor to tom jones when the when the uh the what you doing over there bud uh my neighbors uh decided to cut the grass uh okay um oh so you're moving uh so engelbert Not, well, I, will, I will in a minute yeah. engelbert and tom would have cbs specials and the reason i bring up tom jones because that was my first musical uh i just loved the guy still do but he would uh The, the CBS special event thing would twirl onto the, the TV. And if it was Engelbert Humperdinck, I would throw my bottle at the television. Would do that today as well, but it's a different bottle. Well, we all have different reactions. We all have different reactions to things. What, uh, well, what was the first concert you ever saw? Blood, Sweat, and Tears, probably in 1974. Right on. I'm I'm relocating for the bulk of our bulk of today's episode. Where did was that uh, in the southeast, or where where did you see that? If you don't mind saying, in uh, at Carowinds, back when they had a venue for such things, and I've seen many great great concerts at Carowinds, including. Jefferson Airplane. Jefferson Starship. Oh, cow. Who was, yeah. uh, was, was, uh, obviously that was in the 70s, 80s, and I guess Grace Jones was still there. Grace Slick, I mean, sorry. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Yep. A friend so, of mine. Go ahead, sorry. Well, you know, my brother was seven years older than me. So, you know, that was compulsory for me to you know here i had no choice but uh he had some decent taste in music it was all good jam you think generationally and i know it's always the thing that sticks out in my mind that roger waters had mentioned one time and i know it's you know it's it's not necessarily meant to be pejorative but especially in england uh, and i'm sure he's he's not alone in saying this but uh that a lot of the exploration and the idea of people finger quotes having to grow up and especially as he described it as nobody had a father, you know, cause it, so many, so many young men had gone off, you know, to, to fight the war and never came back. And so right. you just kind of had, I, I wouldn't say a lost generation, but a generation that had to refocus on self-discovery and some of them chose altruism and and personal achievement and maybe the ones that couldn't find that ended up just going like hyper consumerism um well i mean that that's something that 
I, I I didn't live through that kind of just looking around and seeing all your friends and male family members die. I can only well, imagine. not that, but specifically the, the 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 creation, the artistic creation that came out of that. Yeah, I can imagine and it. And how it impacted, impacted. yeah. Yes, yeah. very much so. Uh, you had to be each other's male figure. For sure. What, um, well, do you think that also maybe, I mean, so what do you think that you think it just became an outdated business model that places like heroin stopped doing concerts or they just cities and municipalities just opened other venue spaces? I, I don't know. It it was a great venue. I was sad when it closed down. It created a void. Uh, and independence. Hall in Charlotte was a was a pretty good venue for those bands. The Carowinds was just right sized for these, you know, not mega bands. Uh, Definitely. Well, I wonder too. That might be just part of a, a transitional thing because that seems like, especially in the eighties, that's when you know, finger quotes, arena rock really took off and became a, 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 a business model. Uh, kind of became the business model versus, you know, just people having experiences and it became a lot more commercialized. Yeah. I'm, I'm thinking as you bring that up, because it's an interesting question to me, uh, the places I would go see, middling bands i mean jefferson starship was huge they had top 10 hits and things of that nature during that time but they weren't selling out arenas not in this area anyway did i did i ever tell you i saw lindsey buckingham at a tiny club uh oh. yeah uh stevie nicks and rod stewart were tour touring together this is probably 10 or 10 or 12 years ago. And he was just playing smaller clubs around there. And it was a tiny place near here. That's been two or three things since then, but um, it was, you know, not, I mean, not super expensive, but I mean, it was not cheap. It was like a line around the parking lot down the street. Uh, I mean, right. they fit everybody in, and I'm obviously I don't know if we broke the fire code or whatever, but uh, but it was cool. And he just came out, brought us brought us you know his Rick Martin, um, Rick Turner, sorry, guitar out and uh, played you know twelve or thirteen or fourteen songs, and um, it was yeah, it was pretty amazing. Just to to see that and, you know, probably being 15 or 20 feet away from him. It was just an odd, you know, just those people that, that bizarrely impact your life in ways that you don't necessarily realize. And then suddenly the dude's standing right there. Yeah. You know, yeah, no doubt. With a, with a guitar just hanging out, playing songs. So The original Ziggy's and uh, Beatty's, you could get a lot of that, you know, uh, I've seen a lot of bands at Beatty's and I was just leaning on their, you know, their, uh, uh, monitor speakers 
three feet from them. And I'm not a huge fanboy in general. I don't swoon. I would like to think that I could just have a conversation with somebody if they were willing to have one and wouldn't bother them otherwise. But uh, watching those guys absolutely kill it for 200 people instead of 20,000 people like they used to, and like Molly Hatchet and Blue Oyster Colt, and uh, I've seen friggin' the Black Crows at Beatty's, man. Uh, yeah. yeah, man, that was just amazing. Uh, so I enjoy that. I I enjoyed watching the passion on their faces and and them just they didn't care they wanted to jam uh, and and I miss that as well. Uh, Ramcat is a pretty decent place to listen to music. And there's uh, Ziggy's opened up a new venue in High Point, which I'm going to go see a band called Ghostland Observatory uh, here in a couple weeks. Um, Ramcat was great for Pinkish Floyd, though. We had a table and high chairs, and uh, I don't know if they're called high chairs. That would be for little children. Anyway, uh, like a high, all, like a ta- like a high top. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you know, and you're spending. I think I uh, spent 130 bucks, 120 bucks for four seats. And, uh, I mean, I, I, I spent more than that. You don't even want to know what I spent on Paul McCartney tickets. I don't, I don't. Well, that was amazing because I was never a Paul McCartney guy until I saw him. And I'm pretty sure we were at the same show Yeah, uh, yeah. last year therefore. Um, but it was like, I never got him. Like I never got his personality. I never got, and I feel like for at least for me, like I, people that I get their sense of humor, that's, I'm like, Oh, I get that. And that helps me segue into the music, but I never got Paul McCartney, but it was like, as soon as he walked on stage and started talking, I said, Oh, okay, I get it. And so all the jokes that I'd probably seen him make in interviews and on TV for 35 years, I got, I suddenly got it all. Um, but he was, he was amazing, but I, I was, it was amazing. And I guess you, you, we were all there at the same time um, to be able to see Paul McCartney and obviously separately Guns N' Roses both play Live and Let Die. Right. Was just an amazing, as a, as a, I mean, as a person that loves music and grew up that being 10 or 11 when, uh, well, I guess I was eight when uh, Appetite for Destruction came out, but just like when that was popular to be a kid and to be an adult seeing that was uh was incredible in addition to just being a bond fan um uh was phenomenal but that was a great thing i loved and i i feel like when i was fortunate enough to see fleetwood mac a couple times but guns and roses really made my heart warm because it looked like they really appreciated that people were there and they worked their ass off and axel yeah. rose was running his ass off for three or four hours in cowboy boots, like, and did not stop. And they just, they just worked so hard that you could just see how much they appreciated. Is you that know, the there was almost only like a, time a, a, you've seen them? Yeah. So, 
I've seen them four times as well. Oh, Guns N' Roses? Yeah. Oh, man. That sounds phenomenal. Uh, what, how, what was the first time you saw them? Uh, it Appetite had just come out, and they were opening for Motley Crue, and I was only going because uh, the girl that was going was interesting. But, uh, yeah. So we get there, and, and I'm, you know, I just, I've always hated hair bands. I can appreciate the one or two times they bothered, uh, but for the most part, you know, I just write them off. But I'm sitting here watching this band go off that I had heard of, but not really listened to. And it was joyous, and, and it was, it was wonderful to see musicians bothering to play from their heart and and uh and it was music to me and man just what a fantastic show but they probably pay played 12 songs you know uh then i watched them play what had to be at the time like top five concert i'd ever seen and uh, that was between Use Your Illusion and Appetite. But then Use Your Illusion came out. And I was working this gig with a friend at a radio station promo, and they put these black roses out in the field because it was a concert uh, at Tanglewood. And, and I'm like, man, that's a rose. I wonder what that's about. Well, I went and picked one up, and the... The, and I, we were all there early, and the radio guy's like, "Oh, you can't do that." And his producer was like, "Ah, whatever, let him have it." Anyway, that was Guns N' Roses tickets, so I got to see them for free. And they played for over four hours, and that was before Use Your Illusion came out, but it was you know due at that point, <clears throat> and they absolute crushed it man it was amazing oh my goodness so anyway uh the baby grand rises up from the stage and, and you know he said this is my baby and no and he played november rain and mm. so i at that point i was fanatical gnr fan and they just crushed all of appetite but to watch all this music for the first time uh, and seeing their growth in it and hearing the band didn't change. They just got better. But to see them at Wake Forest and while Axel wasn't exactly the Axel from then and he had, I mean, that's the same energy he's always shown what you saw and he didn't sound exactly perfect, but that band jammed harder than I've ever seen them. That was by far the best show I've ever seen them do. Uh, slash, I don't know how he does it. Dude just jammed hard the whole time. What a fantastic band they are. And I would love for them to do another album. But Axel, man, you just, you cannot sing like he does and keep it. Yeti Lee lost it. That's just too much. Did you ever see uh, any clips of him when he was playing with uh, 
um, ACDC? I did, um, but not much. And I really hate that I missed that. I've never seen ACDC and probably because for the most part, I only liked the album Back in Black and then the original stuff. Brian Johnson, uh, he'll sound good on one song and then I just don't like it on other songs. I don't, I don't get it. He was, I was, that's for sure. Yeah, it was amazing. And that's one of the few times I'm super in favor of people just liking the same things over again as with ACDC. But I, you know, we just find ourselves in odd places in life. And I remember just one, um, Saturday, Friday or Saturday, one of my buddies who's a artist and filmmaker, um, uh, you know, 15 years ago, we were just somewhere and he just hit us up and he said, Hey, I've got ACDC tickets. And so we're like, all right. So it was, so we just went to see them uh, in Greensboro and it was, and it was amazing. What's just cause they were, it was just perfect. I mean, obviously, yes, you know, people sound slightly different, but, but I mean, the whole band just was just completely on point. Yeah. They're and a it's solid so funny. band. Yeah. And it, Brian Johnson just is the epitome of a dude. And he'll, you know, cause he'll say in interviews, you know, if, if, if he'd have known that they were going to be popular that long, he wouldn't have sung in that style on the right. first album, which I can't yeah. imagine how, cause you, I, you know, I mean, you can, I guess you can try to maintain with that, but over the course of at least 40 years, you know, uh, you Did know, you, it, it, with him, he was having to kind of emulate Bon Scott, but Bon Scott just was born with a unique electric voice that he probably could hum or quietly sing and it sound like that. Whereas Brian has to, you know, push it out like he is giving birth to it and his throat has to dilate 10 centimeters. Yeah, it's so weird to think about. Like, Bon Scott was uh, born, like, a few months before my dad. So it was just weird to think about somebody that, if they were still alive, would be, like, a hard rock dude that would be my dad's age. I mean, I get, you know what I'm saying, like, contextually. Because, uh, obviously, I would never think of my dad as, like, a rock and roll guy. But, you know, just think about odd when you, you think about people being the same age and you just don't think of them uh, in the same context. That's weird, though. That. 33 club i guess there's like a 20 27 club and a 33 right. club yeah um yeah it's tough. well jimmy hendrix i think again i think it's a lot of that generation where pe people are just they were younger than people think of them because they think of them kind of attached to a certain time period you know i think yeah bon scott was 33 and jimmy jimmy was 27 hendrix, yeah 27 and I think Chris Farley was 33, I think. That sounds about yeah, right. Yeah, just uh, nonstop. That's always one of my favorite stories that uh, Rob Lowe tells about Chris Farley was they would just go out to eat, you know, after rehearsal or after the show. And the Chris Farley was just – you know, you know, he would get like two huge, two or three huge steaks, you know. Right. I say that like I'm not a dude who eats multiple steaks at a time, but but he's you know, multiple steaks and he would just 
every time he would cut a piece, he'd put a pad of butter, like he would open a separate pad of butter and put it on top of the bite of steak. And, you know, Chris Farley, God bless him, hit it hard as, you know, once he started, he never stopped. But every time he'd do it, he would just look up at Rob and David Spade and say, it's got a hat, <laughs> you know, and, uh, and put it away. What, what do you think? I feel like Chris Farley was another dude who just was inadvertently revolutionary and was just such a, a dynamite powerhouse. And I wonder how much, you know, I mean, part of that might've been his size, but it just seemed like his size magnified every other beautiful thing about him. It certainly reflected how big of a personality he was. That dude was just, it's like the guy that comes to the events we have. You know, he he opens his mouth and it just strikes a chord. And I watch Farley's brother do stand up, and poor guy. I mean, Jim Belushi managed whatever you will say about Jim Belushi. He had a show on TV for like eight years. He he succeeded. Um, he's doing good stuff now. Uh, but uh. Chris Farley's brother is, is 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 not what we call the good. So I still support him because he, I mean, a womb can only hold so much greatness. And Chris got it all. Yeah, I always wonder about twins, twins the same way, just how one of them, you know, their, their focus and interest might be. Might be completely different. Yeah, the the high rate of depression out of twins. One twin will be depressed. One hundred percent. I eat my uh, twin in the womb. So, well, I was thinking pretty much exactly the same thing about my about myself. Um, did you ever? Because obviously, I was. I mean, I was. I was. You know, in a crib. I think still, or walking around slowly in that weird rebuilding period in the early eighties, you know, when, when Eddie Murphy and Joe Piscopo and, and uh, Jim Belushi were on SNL. Do you, did you ever catch any of that? Or, or... Man, I have watched, I watched the very first SNL and I have been a fan ever since. My mom kept me up. There's a show coming on. You're going to love it. And, you know, for my mom to actually pay attention to me, that was remarkable in itself. So I was stoked. Who do you think, because I feel like there are a lot of amazing performers that, that, that get on that show that just are not showcased well for whatever reason. And I know people always talk about that, you know, that uh, like with Robert Downey Jr., that he was the least successful person on the show who went on to the largest amount of fame later well yeah uh, he definitely had that gap he covered that gap well uh it's not for everybody um his his style is i don't i don't know how it doesn't work out but i hate i knew him and anthony michael hall before snl 
So I hated him going on there. I didn't like Chris Rock joining SNL because to me, he was already established. And, and I'm going to ask you something. Let me ask yeah. you this. Yeah. Name one thing that Chris Rock did on SNL. Exactly. Man. I can't even, I can't think of it. I think he did a really funny, like, uh, anti anti white show like that was really funny uh sketch show and i think he did a couple funny things maybe on weekend update but just you can't you know i mean it's you can't remember any of them you know well i mean obviously which is why you asked me but he was he was so good well he was he was i mean i think people kind of you know shit on new jack city i love new jack city um but people forget that he, you know, one of his earlier roles on New Jack City, he played a drug addict police informer. Right. You know. Um, Have you seen his latest special? He brings that up. No, I haven't. I've seen a couple of clips of it that that people right want to sh- want to shit on because they're busy patting themselves on the back and screaming victimhood. But no, I I've seen a couple of clips of it, but I have not. Um, have seen the whole thing, but I feel like that's the same thing with David Spade, where it's like, uh, may I guess Gap Girls, maybe we remember that, but I only remember that because it was the Gap Girl sketch, and that you know it was right. him and Farley and uh, and Sandler. Um, but I think the things I always loved that Spade did on Saturday Night Live, and again, this is before I was watching it, so I have to watch it on YouTube, or I guess there aren't as many reruns anymore, like there used to be maybe on Comedy Central, but. He would do the um, was it the, the the David Spade minutes or the Hollywood Report or something? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's why. Where I guess he, he famously, he famously, off. yeah, famously shit on Eddie Murphy, and Murphy didn't come back on the show for twenty five years or whatever. Hey, I mean, if you can do that, you've done something. And he wasn't he wasn't wrong. I mean, he just. I don't know. Eddie should have never reacted that way. That's just a bit much. Uh, he was great. I always enjoyed the uh, the airplane, you know, bub by just condescending uh, flight attendant. Yeah, Delta, Delta, Delta. Can I help you out? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Another Good guy bye. who went on to amazing success. He, How many TV shows was he on, on in a row? I mean, he's had to do 500 episodes of television. Well, didn't they didn't they bring him on? I never watched it, but it was uh, um, was it Ten Rules for Dating My Teenage Daughter? And uh, John Ritter had been on and passed away. Yeah, he and he, they brought him on. He was on yeah, that, whatever version of that show. That's What's an odd. Let's look up. Do you ever? Mistake. Yeah, do you ever? That's odd. I guess it's a good move because you know you can't you can't replace people with people that are that similar. You know, so obviously if a John Ritter goes off, you want to bring on somebody that's different similarly to when Charlie Sheen uh, exited two and a half men and they brought in uh, Ashton Kutcher. Um, did you ever see the Lethal Weapon TV show? Yes. What a it was, I couldn't believe, show. it was like the, yeah, I could, it was like the best adapted from a film or reimagined thing just about that yeah, I'd ever seen. That, that guy was, was a douchebag. 
Well, I think it was a case that there were two douchebags. Just one of them happened to be Damon Wayans, and people love Damon Wayans. But yeah, Clay Crawford had a had a had a bad experience, and everybody jumped on him afterwards about it. Um, but uh, but that was that was such a phenomenal. Yeah, just a phenomenal show and just the reimagining of characters. Um, and then the guy, you would know his name. I can't think of it, but you'd know him because he was on Reno 911. And I, I think you've been really on... watched that show. It, well, it was he was my on... kind of comedy. Yeah. And it wasn't, was it The State on MTV? There was a sketch show. There was, yeah. Yeah, he was on that. And I think, and it, with some other, with, I guess it was the state a kind of a quasi second or SCTV um, troop out of Canada, but uh, but he was great on that. Um, I can just, well, I have a Google machine in front of me. Let me just look at it. Man, talking about comedy troops out of Canada, new kids in the hall. I, I always call them that. Kids in the hall. Uh, their revised show, they didn't miss a beat. It is so warped. I love those guys so much. Talking about David Spade's TV shows, uh, let's see, mm -hmm. Just Shoot Me for Six Years, Eight Simple Rules right after that. Um, what else? He, he's on Curb Your Enthusiasm. That's just one episode. Uh, he was on Sammy. It seems like there was another big show that he was part of. Anyway, the dude has worked. I mean, and he will even say that he was like, Dana Carvey's here. What the hell am I going to do? And uh, he, he found his his moments. But to me, the, the biggest uh, didn't really show it on the show, but is just genius is Bill Hader. And I've talked about him already, but that guy. But have you watched recently? Do you know who Michael Longfellow is? I know the name. Let me I call him I, I call him Norm Jr. Oh, that's on yeah, that's on SNL. Yeah. No, he's he's uh He's been knocking it out of the park from the minute he walked on stage. Yeah, I'm really, I'm, I'm digging these guys a little bit. You know, it's hard to transition, but, uh, but as you watch them do their bits and, and, and especially when they get on weekend update, which this past weekend update, dude, was the funniest damn one I've ever seen. It was hysterical. Don't research it. Don't do anything. If you can just find it on YouTube, uh, watch it. All of it was was spot on. Oh, it was funny. I I thought. It. Well, I don't. Yeah, I didn't have to spoil anything. <clears throat> but I thought the thing that happened in the first few minutes, I thought it was going to be more impactful. Uh, oh, than well, nobody's ever going to listen to this and give a shit that we spoiled it. Did you watch it? Weekend update this past week. I didn't catch when I went to watch it, it was all chopped up. And so I haven't watched the complete. Right. So I didn't catch the one where was Longfellow playing the statue of David. Yeah, he was. Okay. I didn't watch that part yet, but I watched like the first seven minutes, but it was chopped up into, into segments.
But I think, uh, but I think, uh, I've heard that, that, uh, uh, Colin Jost and, uh, his lovely wife may have split up. You know, I really wondered why they even bothered to get married. How, how, how does that mixture even work? Well, I think she's felt abused and, 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 uh, hypersexualized since she was a teenager and he wanted to say he was married to Scarlett Johansson. If I had to guess, I think those would be the two motivating factors uh, involved. Who wouldn't want to be? Well, you know, if you're single, who wouldn't want to be with Scarlett Johansson? Well, for sure, for sure, for sure. I'm, I'm, I mean, she's, she's, she's no Florence Pugh, but she's delightful. She's delightful. Have you watched have you watched a lot of hot ones? Man, I've watched billions of hot ones, but not much this past year or so. Well, randomly You know, we've done those challenges, right? Yeah, randomly Florence Pugh was on the other week. I think Bob Odenkirk was on the week before her. I used to watch those a lot, but I've been out you know doing stuff a lot recently. Um just where I haven't had if I've and with you know with our sketch with our show schedule that you know, to, to wake up at five or five thirty every morning, I, I try to work until noon or one o'clock and then I'm out trying to be physically active if I'm not in meetings. So I just haven't had time to like sit and watch stuff. But I think that would be a funny thing to do at some point just as a one-off, uh, one-off episode, something, some, something like that, uh, as an homage to our good friends, uh, at hot ones. Uh, it, it is interesting having that much pain in your mouth. Well, I got beat up when I was 11 and I remember just all the fists that were hitting me in the face. I feel like that's the only thing comparable I could imagine what, to, to, uh, to, to, to that show. But, uh, but I, I, as a glutton for a glutton for uh culinary punishment, I mean, you know, it might be, I think that would be an amazing show to be on. Um, yes, very much. But so. don't, but don't make any plans for the next, you know, seventy-two hours. The, the how disarming it must be to be tortured while inter- interrogated with questions you want to be asked. Uh, I find that compelling. It, it, not only is the premise just genius, but the work they do, the research they do is evidently unmatched because every guest is like how do you do this how do you know that what the hell so uh kudos to those guys they one day they may reach our level one day well if they want to do that they need to not edit out all the pauses but until they're (laughs) willing to take that step i'd say they're 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 gonna have to play a slow game of catch-up slow game of catch-up I feel like I'd have a difficult time because I don't drink milk. You know, like I'll eat a, I'll right. eat Greek yogurt or something, but I don't drink. I mean, I'll eat stuff that has dairy on it, but I won't like drink a glass of milk. So I don't know what I would if I just have to. It doesn't help. Slam yogurt in my mouth. What would I do? Uh, suffer. And when you put something in your mouth, it does help until that's no longer in your mouth, and then you just suffer. And it. it it's interesting because you're like, 
you just feel it building and feel it building. And you're like, I have made a huge mistake. And hopefully you don't start hiccuping, but you very well may. Uh, so the only time, well, we did it. We've done it three times now. First time, uh, it, it, it went just like you would expect it to go, man. It, and the second time we had the bomb, but it was a different kind of bomb, the bomb. It wasn't original and it was actually really good, but it was so hot. It was hotter than the hot ones claimed to be the hottest. Uh, but after that point, maybe your nerves just give up and like, eh, I'm going to take a nap. But this last time someone bought, brought the original, the bomb. And it is, uh, absolutely horrible. There's no reason for it to exist. I, I think that whoever did it just took the tears of puppies as they beat them and used that for any water they needed. It, it just, it's abhorrent. It is an insult to the fact that anything at all exists. So I, I wasn't a fan of it, but I was a fan of saying, I'm a dumbass and I'm going to eat this. Have you, what's been your experience? And maybe it's been minimal because you're alive, but you any experience with the Carolina Reaper? Uh, well, diluted, uh, because all of that stuff has it in there. You know, one, one molecule of Carolina Reaper is still Carolina Reaper, but to do it proper, you would just have to bite into one like he and, he and Claus did. Ed, Ed Curry is the, is the guy and he's a plant breeder and a, but you know, Ed is who created the Carolina Reaper. Yep. And I've seen him in interviews and just, just whatever his genetic uh, predisposition is. His ability to tolerate that, whether it's been conditioned over time or he had a predisposition to it, um, and just that he'll just do it like where you and I, you know, like he'll put it in coffee. He'll just just to kick up his heart rate or circulation or it's it's a it's it's fascinating to see how people's bodies can adjust to, to a variety of stressors. Well, man, we'll have to get you uh, on the next iteration of it us OGs that have done it all three times, we're like, you know, I'm good. I'm, I'm good. I've, I've done this. That phrase been there, done that. I think that applies to me at this point because it is, it's torture, man. It's, it's, uh, it's stupid. It's I, I can't even, um, I mean, I would do it just to say I'd done it because, you know, for better or worse, I have a mindset about certain things to say right. that about. But, but I guess maybe once. But I, you know, I I would have to have a, a tub of uh, a tub of Greek yogurt there with me just in case. To, yeah. uh, well, there there are things. I mean, there's uh, the wife gets. Uh, I think she got oat milk or something like mm -hmm. that. Um, 
but to me, understanding that the molecules are there and that liquid isn't going to change anything, there is no fix. So anything cold, in my opinion, is going to give you that temporary reprieve. But uh, overall, you are effed for five minutes of your life. Yeah, I it's part of me. Part of me thinks it would feel like uh, Butch and Sundance running out of that bank against the Bolivian army. You know, except except I it feel would, that you know, that is. Out. Yeah, I, I'm I'm good with that. I think that's appropriate. But that that is odd that it's that nobody had thought to do that before. You know, like I remember, I guess when I was in high school, I guess apparently nobody had ever thought to write a pop song about being a genie in a bottle. And somehow nobody ever thought to do an interview show where people just ate hot wings. Like it's just odd. No one had taken that from a conceptual thing to an actual uh, edited finished product. But obviously, I guess that's 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 the magic of things being turned on to. Put on, put onto the uh, an online platform, you know, especially now where people call them TV shows instead of calling them web series. You know, they actually call them streaming shows, and they treat it like a much more serious. Well, do you? Well, you know, five five years ago, I mean, especially longer than five years ago, people would shoot web series all the times, all the times, all the time, and. People that thought they were too famous for it scoffed at it, and now that's the primary delivery vehicle of entertainment, uh, you know, into, into people's homes. It is. Uh, I I do have broadcast television, but if I could pretty much just pay for Food Network, I don't know that I would need it. My wife is far more into it than I am. But YouTube TV, I mean, uh, YouTube in itself is so much of my viewing uh, apparatus. What do you think would have happened like if, right now, if it weren't for YouTube TV, like with a Cobra Kai or something like that? That's a huge, huge success, well, huge was, audience. YouTube TV, YouTube TV is like cable television. I, I misspoke. It is just broadcast. It's all the channels you would get if you had cable. Uh, YouTube had Cobra Kai as they were trying to become a studio. And uh, it got I think it got bought out by Yahoo, and then it failed miserably because that's what Yahoo does other than finances. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, you know, Cobra Kai is just lightning in a bottle. They they did a wise thing reviving that. I don't know that it could have made it to back then, even though it's only been a few years. It it just was easier to throw something up there. Uh, and I'm sure they wanted networks to grab it. Whoever passed on it's a dumbass. How about that? Well, it's usually the nice thing, nicest thing we can say about anybody. But do you have any, uh, what do you think's happening in future news as we, as we, uh, 
cycle to the end of our hour. What are what are some ideas you think might be coming to us in the future? Well, by the time if if people pick this up uh, early enough in the day, you will see uh, the fingerprinting of. Uh, I'm not going to mention any names, but a hint is they used to be president, and despite some people thinking they are, but you'll see his fingerprints, and we can finally put to bed the hand size situation. Well, as he as he said to a lady, he uh, had his former lawyer pay you know one hundred thirty thousand dollars to. He may be saying to his future cellmate that you remind me of my daughter. (laughs) Uh, Man, I think his cellmate will be saying you remind me of your daughter. It's possible. Possible. I don't know, but he may have already, may have already had some interactions with uh, either one of his sons, not the youngest one, obviously, but the two older ones who are, you know, rub their noses a lot. So. He does have a, tendency to to do that doesn't well i mean we all have Um, allergies and especially this time of year who among us is not affected by the uh the pollen it i think it hit me this morning i don't know if you've noticed i did yeah it was uh it was pretty significant and i i was amazed my neighbors were up cutting the grass that early in the morning but there they were there they were. Well, you know, you begin your day not always with a friendly voice, a companion unobtrusive. You still got to begin your day. As one does. As one does. And if you don't, well, then congratulations. You have retired from existence. Man, these hours go by so They fast. do. I, I'll, 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 I'll circle back with you next time on uh, about, uh, well, we can talk about the same thing over the course of several episodes, but when I got to see Grandmaster Flash the, at uh, Ramcat a few years ago. Oh, man, I would love to hear about that. Uh, maybe you can tell me about it hours from now when we meet in class. Oh, yeah. Well, I don't want to, I don't want to take it away from the listening audience. The ever-expanding listening audience. Uh, we might even be up to one by now. Well, every uh, every right. journey starts with uh, with a Neil Sean or a step. One of the two. One of the two, for sure. All right, man. Talk All to right, you brother. Later. I'll see you in class. All right. All right.